Psalm 49, Sermon 1, Part 1 of Expositions on the Book of Psalms, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Expositions on the Book of Psalms, Volume 2, by St. Augustine of Hippo. Psalm 49, Sermon 1, Part 1. On the first part of the psalm. 1. All divine sayings are profitable to those that understand them aright, but dangerous to those who will rest them according to the perverseness of their own heart, instead of correcting their own heart according to the rectitude of them. For there is this great perverseness usual in men, that whereas they ought themselves to live according to the will of God, they would have God live according to their will. And while they will not be set right themselves, they would have him made wrong, judging the right to be not what he willeth, but what they will. Again, we are wont to hear men murmuring against God, because with ill men in this life it goeth well, while the good suffer, as if he were perverse, and knew not what he did, or altogether withdrew his eyes from things human, or would not have his peace disturbed, and minded not these things, since it were a labour for God to observe and correct them. Those men, therefore, whose will to worship God is in order that it may be well with them here, murmur when they chance to see those who do not worship God, enriched and abounding in earthly prosperity, but themselves, who worship God, struggling with difficulties, with want, with woe, and other hardships of human mortality. Against this voice, and against these blasphemies of men murmuring, Holy Scripture ever doth chant a charm healing the bite of the serpent. For such corruption is the mark of a poisoned heart, belching forth against God the foulness of blasphemy. Nay, what is worse, rejecting the hand of the healer, not rejecting the fangs of the serpent. Thus, I say, the heart of man doth thrust from itself the sternness of the word of God, and giveth entrance to the allurements of the serpent engaging it to evil. Against these men, therefore, holy scripture doth sing her chant, and is now speaking to us in this psalm. To which psalm I would direct the attention of your holiness. Did not God himself bid us all hearken? and not us only, but the whole world. For hear how he beginneth. Verse 1. Hear ye these things, all ye nations. Not then you only who are here. For of what power is our voice so to cry out, as that all nations may hear? For our Lord Jesus Christ hath proclaimed it through the apostles, hath proclaimed it in so many tongues that he sent. And we see this psalm, which before was only repeated in one nation, in the synagogue of the Jews, now repeated throughout the whole world, throughout all churches, and that fulfilled which is here spoken of, hear ye these words, all ye nations. To this alone I would engage your attention, lest, because of bodily fatigue, ye might not perchance keep your minds awakened, being alarmed at the length of this psalm. If it shall be possible, it will be ended today. If not there will remain something for us tomorrow. Nevertheless, do you be constantly attentive. 
for if the Lord will, ye shall hear as much as will not load but lighten you. Hear ye these words, all ye nations, of whom ye are. With ears ponder, all ye that dwell in the world. This he seemeth to have repeated a second time, lest to have said, Here before were too little. What I say, he saith, Here with ears ponder, that is, Here not cursorily. What is with ears ponder? It is what the Lord said, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. For as all who were in his presence must have had ears, what ears did he require save those of the heart, when he said, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear? The same ears also this psalm doth smite. With ears ponder, all ye that dwell in the world. Perhaps there is here some distinction. We ought not indeed to narrow our view, but there is no harm in explaining even this view of the sense. Perhaps there is some difference between the saying, All nations, and the saying, All ye that dwell in the world. For perchance he would have us understand the expression, Dwell in, with a further meaning, so as to take all nations for all the wicked, but the dwellers of the world, all the just. For he doth inhabit who is not held fast, but he that is occupied is inhabited, and doth not inhabit. Just as he doth possess whatever he hath, who is master of his property, but a master is one who is not held in the meshes of covetousness, while he that is held fast by covetousness is the possessed and not the possessor. We have a certain sense affixed to habitation in the scripture of God, in the place where he saith, I would rather be an abject in the house of the Lord than to inhabit the tents of the ungodly. But why, if thou art an abject in the house of the Lord, dost thou not dwell there? He would not intimate habitation, except in the case of those who reign and hold and domineer and govern. But they that are despised do not, as it were, inhabit, but are subject. For thus he saith, I would rather be an abject in the house of God than to reign in the tents of the ungodly. Therefore, if there is any distinction between all nations and the inhabitants of the world, as there is between hear and ponder it with your ear. Then, though there seemeth to be a repetition, yet what he wished to intimate is something different, because not only sinners and the ungodly were to hear these words, but the godly also. Now all hear promiscuously, but when men shall have come to give an account, those who have heard to no purpose will be separated from those who have pondered with their ears. Therefore, let even the ungodly hear, hear ye this, all ye nations. Let the just also hear, who have not heard to no purpose, and who rather rule the world than are ruled by the world. With ears ponder all ye that dwell in the world. 3. And again he saith, Both all ye earthborn, verse 2, and sons of men. The expression earthborn he doth refer to sinners, the expression sons of men, to the faithful and righteous. Ye see then that this distinction is observed. Who are the earthborn, the children of the earth? Who are the children of the earth, they who desire earthly inheritance? Who are the sons of men, they who appertain to the son of man? 
We have already before explained this distinction to your sanctity, and have concluded that Adam was a man, but not the son of man, that Christ was the son of man, but was God also. For whosoever pertained to Adam are earthborn, whosoever pertained to Christ are sons of men. Nevertheless, let all hear, I withhold my discourse from no one. If one is earthborn, let him hear because of the judgment. Another is a son of man, let him hear for the kingdom's sake. The rich and poor together. Again, the same words are repeated. The expression rich refers to the earthborn, but the word poor to the sons of men. By the rich understand the proud, by the poor the humble. Let a man have large means of wealth. If in them he is not lifted up, he is poor. Let him not have anything but covet and be puffed up. Him God numbereth among the rich and reprobate. Now both the rich and poor in heart God distinguisheth from those that are so in coffer and household. Are not they poor who accept the monition of the apostle who bid Timothy charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded? How did he make them poor who were rich? By taking from them the cause wherefore riches are sought. For no man would be rich for any other reason than that he may be puffed up among those with whom he dwelleth, and may seem to be greater than they. But when he bade them not to be high-minded, he made them equal with those who have nothing, so that perchance a beggar with very few pence may be more exalted than the rich man who mindeth the apostle, saying, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded. How not to be high-minded? If they do what followeth, trust not in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. He said not, Who giveth to them, but who giveth to us? Had Paul himself no riches? Evidently he had. What riches? those of which the scripture speaketh in another place. To a faithful man the whole world is full of riches. Here also himself declaring, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. Therefore let him who wishes to be rich not cleave to a part, and he shall have all. Let him cleave to him who hath created all, the rich and poor together. He saith in another psalm, The poor shall eat and be satisfied. How hath he commended the poor? The poor shall eat and be satisfied. What eat they? That food which the faithful know. How shall they be satisfied? By imitating the passion of their Lord, and not without cause receiving their recompense. The poor shall eat and be satisfied, and they shall praise the Lord who seek him. What of the rich? Even they eat, but how eat they? All the rich upon the earth have eaten and worshipped. He said not, have eaten and are satisfied, but have eaten and worshipped. They worship God indeed, but they will not display brotherly humaneness. These eat and worship, those eat and are filled, yet both eat. Of the eater, what he eateth is required. Let him not be forbidden by the distributor to eat, but let him be admonished to fear him who doth require his account. Let these words then be heard by sinners and righteous, nations and those who inhabit the world, earthborn and sons of men, the rich and the poor together, not divided, not separated. 
that is for the time of the harvest to do the hand of the winnower will effect that now together let rich and poor hear let goats and sheep feed in the same pasture until he who shall separate the one on his right hand the other on his left let them all hear together the teacher lest separated from one another they hear the voice of the judge four and what is it they are now to hear verse three my mouth shall speak of wisdom and the meditation of my heart understanding and this repetition is perhaps made lest perchance if he had said only my mouth thou shouldst suppose that one spake to thee who had understanding but in his lips for many have understanding in their lips but have not in their heart of whom the scripture saith this people honoureth me with their lips but their heart is far from me what saith he then who speaketh to thee when he hath said my mouth shall speak of wisdom in order that thou mayest know that what is poured forth from the mouth floweth from the bottom of the heart he hath added and the meditation of my heart of understanding five verse four i will incline mine ear to the parable i will show my proposition upon the harp who is this the meditation of whose heart speaketh understanding in such sort that it be not only on the surface of the lips but also fill the inner man who is he that heareth and thus speaketh for many speak what they hear not who are they who speak what they hear not these be they who do not what they speak they be like the pharisees whom the lord affirmeth to sit in the seat of moses he willed to speak to thee from moses's seat by the mouth of those who speak those things and do not and the lord would thus give thee security fear not he saith what they say do ye but what they do do not ye for they say and do not they hear not what they say but they who do and then say hear what they say and so say with profit because they hear he then who is a speaker and not a hearer profiteth another profiteth not himself he then who would be both a hearer and a speaker who speaketh to thee before he saith i will show my proposition upon the harp which is to speak by means of the body for the soul useth the body as a harper useth the harp first saith i will incline mine ear to the parable before that i shall speak to thee through the body before that my harp giveth her sound i will first incline mine ear to the parable that is to say i will hear what i am to say to thee and why to a parable because now we see through a glass darkly as saith the apostle whilst we are at home in the body we are absent from the lord for our vision is not yet that face to face where there are no longer parables where there no longer are riddles and comparisons whatever now we understand we behold through riddle a riddle is a dark parable which it is hard to understand howsoever a man may cultivate his heart and apply himself to apprehend mysteries so long as we see through the corruption of this flesh we see but in part but when we shall have put on incorruption in the resurrection of the dead when the son of man shall have appeared to judge the quick and the dead then shall be seen the son of man judging who was first judged 
separating the bad from the good, placing the bad on the left hand, the good on the right. Both the good and bad shall see him alike. But to the bad he shall say, Go ye into everlasting fire, while to the good he shall say, Come, ye blessed of my father, receive ye the kingdom. The wicked shall depart into everlasting fire, but the just into everlasting life. And there shall be that vision face to face of which the former are not worthy. Mark what I say, just as both the bad and good saw the Son of Man here, when he was yet to be judged. For the apostles saw him who followed him, the Jews saw him who crucified him. So shall both the good and bad see him, when he shall come to judge the good, that they may receive their reward for having followed him, the bad, that they may receive their punishment for having crucified him. Will they only be condemned who have crucified him? I dare to say, they only. Then we say the sinners of this age are safe. If God searcheth not the heart, ye are safe. What have I said? Let your love understand me, lest they affirm, when God cometh to judgment, that they understood not. The Jews, because they saw Christ, crucified him. Thou, because thou seest not Christ, resistest his word. Thou who resistest his word, wouldst thou not crucify his flesh if thou sawest him? The Jew condemned him hanging on the tree. Thou condemnedst him sitting in heaven. Therefore two kinds of people saw him while he was here. Two kinds shall also see him when he shall have come to judgment. For son of man he shall come, that he may judge. Because son of man he came, that he might be judged. Accordingly, because the father was not made flesh, the father suffered not, and judgeth by the son, as he himself saith in the gospel. The father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the son. And, as he saith a little lower down, hath given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. For, according as he is the Son of God, he is the Word always with the Father, and because always with the Father, with the Father he always judgeth. But according as he is the Son of Man, he was both judged and will judge. But, as he was seen by those who believed, and by those who crucified him, when he was judged, so will he be seen, when he shall have begun to be judge, both by those whom he shall condemn, and by those whom he shall crown. But that vision of divinity, which he hath promised to them that love him, when he saith, He that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and he that loveth me keepeth my commandments, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. This the ungodly shall not see. This manifestation is in a certain way familiar. He keepeth it for his own. He will not show it to the ungodly. Of what sort is the vision itself? Of what sort is Christ? Equal to the Father. Of what sort is Christ? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. For this vision we sigh now, and groan so long as we sojourn here. In this vision we shall be brought home at the last. This vision now we see but darkly. If then we see now darkly, let us incline our ear to the parable, and then let us show our proposition upon the harp. Let us hear what we say, do what we enjoin. 6. And what hath he said? Verse 5. 
and wherefore shall I fear in the evil day? The iniquity of my heel shall compass me. He beginneth something obscurely. Wherefore shall I fear, he saith, in the evil day? The iniquity of my heel shall compass me. Therefore he ought the rather to fear if the iniquity of his heel shall compass him. Nay, for let not man fear, he saith, who hath not power to escape. For example, he who feareth death, what shall he do to escape death? Let him tell me how he is to escape what Adam oweth, he who is born of Adam. But let him consider that he is born of Adam, and hath followed Christ, and ought to pay what Adam oweth, and obtain what Christ hath promised. Therefore he who feareth death can no wise escape. But he who feareth the damnation which the ungodly shall hear, go ye into everlasting fire, hath an escape. Let him not fear then. For why should he fear? Will the iniquity of his heel compass him? If then he avoid the iniquity of his heel, and walk in the ways of God, he shall not come to the evil day. The evil day, the last day, shall not be evil to him. For the last day shall be ill with some, shall be good with others. Shall it be ill with those to whom it shall be said, Come, ye blessed of my father, receive the kingdom. But it shall be ill with those to whom it shall be said, Go ye into everlasting fire. But if the iniquity of his heel shall compass him, wherefore shall he fear in the evil day? Now while they live, let them take heed to themselves, let them put away iniquity from their heel, let them walk in that way, let them walk in the way of which he saith himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And let them not fear in the evil day, for he giveth them safety, who became the way. Wherefore should I fear in the evil day? The iniquity of my heel shall compass me. Therefore let them avoid the iniquity of their heel. With the heel a man slippeth, let your love observe. What was said by God to the serpent? She shall mark thy head, and thou shalt mark her heel. The devil marketh thy heel, in order that, when thou slippest, he may overthrow thee. He marketh thy heel. Do thou mark his head. What is his head? The beginning of an evil suggestion. When he beginneth to suggest evil thoughts, then do thou thrust him away before pleasure ariseth, and consent followeth and so shalt thou avoid his head, and he shall not grasp thy heel. But wherefore he said this to Eve? Because through the flesh man doth slip, our flesh is an Eve within us. He that loveth his wife, he saith, loveth himself. What meaneth himself? He continueth and saith, For no man ever yet hath hated his own flesh. Because then the devil would make us slip through the flesh, just as he made that man Adam to slip through Eve. Eve is bidden to mark the head of the devil, because the devil marketh her heel. If then the iniquity of our heel shall compass us, why fear we in the evil day? Since being converted to Christ, we are able not to do iniquity, and there will be nothing to compass us, and we shall joy and not sorrow in the last day. End of Psalm 49, Sermon 1 Part 1